0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: Now we've looked at a lot of Old Testament scriptures uh, about what the glory is and how the glory manifests. We see over and over again the Bible talks about it being a cloud like in Solomon's temple. Other times it speaks of it being smoke. Other times it speaks of it being a bright light or glistening it speaks of uh, a rainbow in one place. It, uh, there, there are many different uh, uh, words that are used and descriptions that are used throughout the Old Testament to speak of the, the glory of God as it manifests. The glory of God is just simply the manifest presence of God. How it appears in many cases is described to us in, in the Scripture. Today I want to start going in a different direction with this series. And that is, uh, rather than look at, how the glory cloud, if you'll allow me to use that term. Uh, un- I hope you understand what I mean when I use that term, just like in Solomon's temple. How that the glory cloud, rather than just how the glory cloud manifested itself in, in different situations, in congregations or services or whatever, I want to talk about what the glory of God really is and what God's original plan for it was. In order to do that, I'm going to ask you to turn back with me to Genesis. I believe it's really important for you to understand The beginning. When God begins to speak to his people and he gives Moses the, the Ten Commandments and, and begins to talk to him, he gives him the whole of the law. The first five books of the Bible is what, what we know of as the law. The prophets are also considered the, the word of God, certainly, as God uh, uh, spoke to, uh, to others about things to come and, and such. But I think it's really important for us to understand God's beginning or what the Bible says about the beginning, because if you don't understand the beginning, you'll never understand what God's plan for man was. And that's one of the reasons why there's so much controversy in in the world about how the earth began. Because if the devil can keep you confused about that, he can keep you from knowing what God's plan is. And if he can keep you from knowing what God's plan for man is, he can keep you from walking in the reality of what Jesus purchased for you on the cross. book of Genesis is hugely important. Hugely important. So it says, beginning in Genesis chapter 1, let's go back to the beginnings. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now folks, stop right there. We usually think of the creation as being the rest of chapter 1. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Period. It's created. It's done. Now verse 2 tells us something else. Verse 2 is not related to verse 1. None of the rest of chapter 1 is related to verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Period. It's created. Heaven's created. Earth's created. Verse two says, and the earth was without form and void. The earth was without form and void. Now the word was is very important because we need to understand something about meanings here, Hebrew meanings. The word was means to exist, to be or become to, or to come to pass. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the world and the earth existed. Well, that's not the proper meaning here, but it's because it's going to describe something about the earth. So it says, and the earth became, or the world uh, came to pass. Something about this that he's going to describe is going to tell us about what came to pass. Well, what came to pass? This is the same word that's used throughout the rest of chapter 1, where God said, let the earth bring forth seed, and it was so. In other words, and it came to pass. And the, And he said, "Let the earth bring forth the beasts of the field and and the cattle and so forth, and it came to pass, or and it was so that's the same word this translated was in verse two. now why they translated one thing in verse two and another thing in verse seven and verse twelve and in other places in chapter one is beyond me. Why didn't they translate it in the, with the same meaning with the same understanding? I don't know, but it's caused a lot of people some misunderstanding because they think from just a simple casual reading that God created the heaven and the earth without form and void. The problem with that is, and we'll, well, I'll tell you what, hold your finger here. Go ahead and look with me over to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45, notice what verse 18 says. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens. Here's God speaking about what happened. Okay? Do you understand that? Isaiah is saying, here's what God said. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, the, the the Bible was just written by men and so forth. Well, that's true. It was written by men inspired by the Holy Ghost. And when the man inspired by the Holy Ghost says, thus saith the Lord, or here's what God said, you have one of two options. You can either believe that this is what God said, or you can throw the thing out entirely. You do not have the right to pick and choose what part of the Bible you believe to be true. We're pretty strong around here on this is the Word of God. If you haven't figured it out, that's a pretty... Sp- Serious issue for us. Isaiah 45, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He established that He has established it. In other words, here's how he created it. He's going to describe something about his creation of the earth. He created it not in vain. He created it not in vain. This is the same Hebrew word that's used over in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, where it says it was without form and void. Without form is the same word translated vain here. Now I'll describe what those words mean in a minute. I'll define them from the Hebrew. He created it not in vain. In other words, he didn't create it without form and void. Well, if he created the heavens and the earth, but he didn't create it without form and void, then something had to happen to cause it to be without form and void. That seems pretty simple, doesn't it? I know it's controversial to a lot of people, but it seems very apparent to me. I'm just simple enough to believe the Bible. And if you stick with what the Bible says, you can get some answers to some things that everybody else agonizes over. So it says, he created it not without, in vain, in other words, he created it not without form. Well, how did he create it then? He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is none else. He didn't create it without form and void. In other words, he created it to be inhabited. Well, in chapter 1 and verse 2, it's not yet inhabited. Yet, verse 1 says he created it. How do you create something without form and void? I mean, outside the possible exception of some modern art, um, how can you create anything without form and void? I mean, that would be like throwing a, a lump of a, a big pile of mud down and say, there's my creation. Now, this phrase, without form and void, is not a is not an archaic term. It's a common term in Hebrew. Let me define the words. Without form, as I said, is the same word in Isaiah 45, verse 18, that's translated vain. There are several different meanings of this word, but the ones that seem to be most appropriate for this Uh, application would be chaos or chaotic and waste or wasteland. So without form means that it was chaos and it was a waste. Where it says without form and void, the word void means empty or emptiness. So God's saying, I didn't create it a wasteland, I didn't create it empty. Well, something caused it to be that way. Now, the Hebrew phrase, the, without form is the word tohu. The word void is the Hebrew word bohu. So, and please forgive the, the slang of my voice or the, the accent of my voice because I know I'm butchering Hebrew just like I butcher English. But literally in Hebrew, the phrase is tohu va bohu or something like that. Now, as I said, it's not an archaic term. It's a common day. It has common day application, a common day use. You ask any Hebrew mother what tohu va-bohu means, and they'll say, it's like my son's room. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm not making a joke. I'm serious. The room wasn't created in chaos. It wasn't created a wasteland. It wasn't created empty of any order. But after teenagers live in it for a while, sometimes that's the way it turns out. And so what do they scream? They come down the hall and scream, Tohu, Vabohu, clean it up. That's what the Bible is telling us happened to God's creation. Now hold your finger here. We're going to come back again. But turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah apparently is given by God the opportunity to look back at what things were like before what we know of as the creation. Now, when I say before the the creation, I mean before um, God begins to move in the latter part of uh, the first book of Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis. He gets a chance to look back at what the world was like in Genesis 1-2. And he's speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And so here's what it says. Jeremiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. Jeremiah says, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. Same Hebrew phrase. It was tovu, Tohu vabohu. Well, When could he be seeing it then? He's got to be seeing it sometime prior to man's appearance on the earth because he winds up saying there was no man. Or sometime in the future. It can't be while man is here. So at what point in time is he seeing the earth? It's either got to be before Adam or sometime way down in the future and there's nothing in the Bible that tells us that that's our future. So you decide for yourself. But here's what Jeremiah said that he saw in the earth. He said, and I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. And the heavens mean the heavens were, that, were without form and void too. And they had no light. Now what does that mean? That means there's no sun, there's no moon, there's no stars. It's blackness. He goes further and says, I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled. The word tremble is, is the same word we'd use for earthquake. They quake." So there were mountains here. So without form and void doesn't mean absent mountains. Without form and void doesn't mean a lump of mud somewhere. There was a geographical terrain of some type if there were mountains, right? Now he's telling us what without form and void means. There were mountains and they quaked, which means there were earthquakes. Without form and void does not mean there was no there were no physical laws in operation. Earthquakes are the result of the laws of physics. Geological laws, geological actions, and different things that take place, that's what cause earthquakes. Now, they may have spiritual sources sometimes, but we know they're always a natural result. You can always explain, science can always explain, why did this earthquake take place? Well, because some plate you know, moved on top of another one undersea or something like that. I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that, but you know what I'm trying to say. So there were mountains and there were earthquakes. And then it goes further and it says, and all the hills, I guess a hill is a small mountain, moves lightly. The word move lightly means crumbled. So apparently without form and void, the chaos or the wasteland has something to do with the earth in some kind of upheaval state or some kind of state of upheaval would be a better way to say it. Are you with me so far? Now, folks, I'm not trying to be a scientist here. I'm just believing what the Bible says. And here's what the Bible says it was. He goes further and says in verse 25, I beheld and lo, there was no man. So without form and void means there was no inhabitant. At least no human inhabitant. And it says, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. Now here we we can make an assumption, but I don't know that we can be right in our assumption. Is he saying all the birds of the heaven fled, meaning there were birds, but now they're gone away? Or is he just looking at it and saying in a place where there should be birds because of what I'm used to, In the the generation of man, there wasn't anything. I don't have an answer for that. I don't think there is an answer for that. He just says there's no birds in the heavens. Verse 26, And I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness. I think... In the same way regarding the birds, we have to conclude that he's either saying it was fruitful before, but then it became a wilderness or it's a wilderness where there should be and where I'm accustomed to fruitfulness. Which way? I don't know. I I have a, I have a, I have a pretty good idea, but you can't prove it. It's speculation. Either way you come up, you have to make an assumption that you can't prove for sure. Now, what in the world would cause the earth to be in this kind of condition? What would cause the earth to be a wasteland? what would cause the earth to be without, uh, you know, in this state of upheaval, this chaos, where there is no presence of man? Now, he's not saying there was no presence of man. I, he's not saying, I looked over into this county and there was nobody there. He's saying there was nobody on the earth. He said, I beheld the earth. There was nobody on any of it. What would cause the earth to be in that kind of condition? Notice he goes further in verse 26. He said, it um Well, I got ahead of myself. Let's keep keep reading. Lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down. He does not say there weren't cities. He says there were cities and they were broken down. So without form and void means there were cities that were desolate. There were cities that were destroyed. That's what he's telling us. He's describing by the Holy Ghost, he's describing what without form and void is. He said there were cities, but uninhabited, there were earthquakes, the earth was in a state of chaos and upheaval, and the cities were broken down, which has to mean there were cities there. Cities existed in one ti- at one time in some different state than the broken down state that they were now in. Join Mike Webb and Foothill
0: Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school
1: first service is just like oh my goodness somebody teaches on healing locally
0: healing school is about you knowing what belongs to you as a believer it makes a difference in someone's life who never hears
1: that it's pulling out of the word teaching on healing and stirring up your faith to get healed by what the
0: word says again that's healing school each sunday night led by pastor mike webb at 6 p.m for directions and more information go to mikeweb.tv Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: All the cities were broken down. So without form and void means there were broken down cities. Okay. Now, what would cause this kind of condition? What would cause this without form and void condition? And please understand, it's the same without form and void that Genesis 1-2 is talking about. What would cause this without form and void condition? Notice the last part of verse 26. The cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by His fierce anger. Something made God mad. Genesis 1-2 is a result not of nothing being there, but of God having gotten really mad at something that went on before. That's what the Bible says. Verse 27. For thus hath the Lord said, The whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end. Now, full end, what is he talking about? A full end. A full end of the earth. So apparently, something happened and made God so mad that it destroyed everything. It broke out all the cities down. It caused the earthquakes to to, uh, to, to cause mountains to crumble and and hills to, to be laid flat. All kinds of chaotic things happen at the fierce anger of the Lord because God said the whole earth shall be desolate, yet that's not going to be the end of the earth. Back to Genesis 1-2. Now we have some understanding from the Bible, not from... Man's idea, your idea, my idea, or anybody else's, but we have some understanding of the Bible, from the Bible, what it means, and God created the heaven and the earth, period, there was something there, verse 2, and the earth was or became without form and void. Why? Because God got really mad and said the whole place will be desolate, yet that's not the end. Now the rest of Genesis chapter 1 is going to tell us how the end was reversed, or the, the desolation was reversed because God hadn't made an end. Genesis 1, verse 2. And the earth was or became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, here is the most important part of the story of Genesis. The next phrase of chapter of uh, verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the waters. What I want you to understand is the earth was broken down because of the presence of God, because of His anger. What that means is God took His hand off the earth. But in order to reverse things... Now the Spirit of God begins to move upon the waters. Well, it had to be waters then. Without forming a void doesn't mean there weren't waters. And so then God looks upon the earth and He says, Let there be light. And there was light. I want you to notice He doesn't make the sun, the moon, and the stars until many verses later, several verses later. Second day. How is there light without a sun and a moon? Because the light that came back on the earth was the presence of God, which tells me the reason that it was darkness, it was blackness, and it was desolation in the without form and void state was because the presence of God was lifted off of the earth. And that's the condition that Jeremiah is looking into in chapter 4. Can you see that? Now, you know the rest of the story of creation. Day one, he makes this. Day one, he makes, this. day two, he makes something else. Day three, day four, day five, day six. At the end of day, day six, he looks at it and he said, it's very good. He created man. Now, the significant part of creating man was on day six. Everything else was made in preparation for man. Folks, please understand this is how God works. He makes everything else to provide for the man that he's planned. You may be looking at your life or your situation or circumstances in your life and think, oh my goodness, is God not made provision for me? Is there no way God's going to help me? He's already made provision for you before you ever got there. And most times it's not a matter of finding the provision or or, or getting God to make provision. It's a matter of discovering the provision that He's made. God always makes a way of escape. The, the issue is, the key is, find the way. Because your way of escape may not be my way of escape. I'm talking from a natural standpoint. You know, if you're in in financial hardship, if you're looking for God to meet your needs, your way of escape or financial provision may not be the same way as me. Similarly, we're both going to look to Jesus as being our source. But your way of that source providing may be a different way than for me. So the key is always finding the way. If you're praying, oh, God, help me, you're wasting time. You need to be praying, Lord, show me the way. He's already helped you. He sent you Jesus. The Bible says very specifically, if God has already given you Jesus, which is the best that he's got, how is he going to withhold any other good thing from you? So quit praying for God to do something and start praying, God, show me the way. That's the key. It's always the key because there's always a way. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image. Now, why is God talking our? Because the Bible says God is made up of three persons. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so here's God speaking on behalf of all three who are present at creation. God said, let us make man in our image. Now, folks... The three parts of the Godhead, I know it's a hard thing to understand. There are three personalities to the Godhead. They all have distinct and specific purposes. God the Father is the planner. Jesus the Son is the one that, that, uh, that reveals the plan to us. He's the Word. He was the Word made flesh. It's a revelation of God. And the Holy Spirit is always the agent or the power by which that plan is carried out. So here's God the planner, saying, let us make man in our image. In our image. And let them, mankind, male and female, let them have dominion. The word dominion, it means rule. It means authority. Let man have authority over all the works of our hands. Now, you need to understand... The Bible tells us some things, some, some significant things that might be the, well, for me, they are, but I want to say it in a, in a, in a way for people to be able to consider it and decide for themselves. The Bible tells us about an event that could have caused Genesis, the, the, the earth being without form and void that's described in Genesis 1-2. The Bible tells us that, uh, that Satan took a third of the angels and fought against God and God cast him out of heaven into the earth. Now that cataclysmic event could have very well been the thing that caused the earth to be without form and void. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, after sending his disciples out in his name to go before him, they came back and they said, Master, even the devils are subject unto us in your name. Jesus said in Luke ten to eighteen, he said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Well, when did Satan fall as lightning from heaven? Not when they started using his name. Satan fell from lightning as heaven before Genesis 1, 2 before Genesis 1-2. Now, in order for you to understand God's plan for man, you've got to understand where Satan was and what his position was. So turn with me over to Ezekiel chapter 28. Notice in verse 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Here's Ezekiel saying again, here's what God said. Now, what did God say? Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, the first part of the chapter is where he prophesies by the Spirit of the Lord in verse 2 to the prince of Tyrus... We know the prince of Tyrus was what we would call the literal king, the earthly king. But it's telling us, it's showing us by calling the earthly king the prince and saying that there's another being, the the king, it's showing us that there's a spiritual force that's influencing the earthly king. And he's really the one in charge. That's who Ezekiel now is commanded by the Lord to prophesy again. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, folks, there was no natural man other than Adam that was in the Eden, the garden of God. And Adam's been dead for hundreds of years by the time this is spoken. So he can't be talking about a natural man. Well, then who is he talking about? Let's keep reading. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. This guy was pretty well decked out. Not only that, but verse 12 tells us that he was the fullness of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Back to verse 13. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes. He's talking about his voice. So apparently this being had something, his his position, had something to do with his voice. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Now that tells us something. This is a created being. Well, we know God's the creator, so he's got to be created by God. Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covers... Boy, this is really getting descriptive of something or someone. Thou art the anointed chair of the covers. In other words, this is another way of saying you are the one that was in charge. You were the one that was given authority. You were the one that was given power or place or position by God to be in charge. Now, why was that? Well, here's the Holy Spirit saying by or saying on behalf of God, because I set you so. It's telling us that this being was in the Garden of Eden, decked out with all this stuff, in this position, full of wisdom, full of perfect in beauty, with this, uh, with a voice and with an assignment and power or authority to be in charge. Well, in charge of what? Well, the only thing he's recognized or the only thing he's referred to as far as boundaries or territory was Eden. Now, does that mean just the Garden of Eden or does that represent the earth? Well, I don't know. We're going to have to keep reading. Thou art the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. That means that this being at least at one time walked up and down the mountain with God. Again, it's speaking of some high-ranking position to be able to be with God. Jesus came to the earth. To bring the Holy Spirit to us so that He could live in us and that we could be just like He is in this world. Come learn about God's glorious plan at Foothill Family Church.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school.
1: In healing school, to me, you learn, first off, that healing is for you. I had a healing myself. Pastor Mike does not insist that He lay hands on you, that you have authority through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what He did. And so I accepted that. Come visit Healing School, where you can hear and be healed.
0: Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikewebb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.